Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, the May 2021 Roundup is brought to you by Fun Again Games. And welcome to the show, everybody. This is a first for the channel, a live runs through, or roundup rather, where I am going to talk about all the games that were played by me and my wife and Shay Parker, my uh, contributor to the channel, over the last four weeks. It will be in countdown format, which means we'll be starting with our least favorite, ending with the most favorite, which basically means I'll be crowning a game of the month at the end of all of this. And then, after we're done with the rounding up and the counting down, uh, I'll stick around and do some Q&A if I piqued your interest at all. And, uh, let's see, since I am live, I probably should confirm before I go any farther, you can hear me. Right, folks? Um, I'm coming through loud and clear. The first rule of any live stream on YouTube or Twitch or any channel, let me know. Um, actually, oh, I can see Stacy has already got me covered. Sound is good. Uh, thank you very much, folks. So, welcome. How was your month? Uh, we had a very good month. Actually, I thought it was going to be a little bit lighter than normal because um, in April, Jen and I celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary, but we didn't do anything on the day other than have round table pizza, which has a very personal meaning for us. Uh, but in May, we booked a uh, three-night stay on the Oregon coast. So we were on the road for the first time in over a year. We're fully vaccinated, by the way. Everybody, please go out and get vaccinated uh, if you have haven't done so already, if it's available to you. And uh, we had a great time, and I thought, well, that was really going to punch a hole in my ability to cover games, but somehow I am still here to talk about 24 of them. Let's see here. So, uh, it looks like everything's going fine. Let me make sure the stream on YouTube is going okay. And uh, it looks like that's cool. And Twitch seems up and running. Simultaneously streaming to three platforms at once is super duper cool. And yep, confirm that I am also live on the Facebook for folks who enjoy that as their primary method of hearing about games. Okay, so... With that in mind, I think now that I've checked those, I will just close those so they are not gobbling up any of uh, uh, my bandwidth. Although, hopefully my bandwidth should be able to keep up with all of this. And, um, right, any comments from the audience I need to respond to? Uh, good job, Stacy. You're the best. And uh, Oh, and by the way, for, for folks who are on um, uh, YouTube... Uh, and you're thinking about sending me a super chat, I very much appreciate that, but maybe consider instead donating to a very good cause. You have to scroll down a little bit to get beyond the chat window, at least if you're in a browser, and you'll find the donate button. You can donate anonymously if you like, and uh, it's just going to a really good cause that's uh, helping a lot of people. And uh, right, I think that is enough preamble, so let's get counting down. Let's start rounding up. There's going to be 
three sections to this. First, I'm going to have Shay on. He gave me a pre-recorded video where he's going to talk, he's going to count down the eight games, which is a new record for him, congratulations, Shay, that he did over the month. And since it's pre-recorded, while that's going on, I'll be able to um, chat a little bit if anybody has any questions for me while Shay is talking about his games. After we're done with that, I will do a countdown of the uh, expansions. I always separate them out into expansions. I think Shay did as well. I haven't actually watched his whole video yet, so I'm going to be seeing it for the first time myself, really. And uh, after I do a little mini countdown of the expansions we played, then I'll do uh, the countdown of all the games Jen and I played. So those are the three steps. Everything seems to be coming up roses. Just one more quick check. Yep. Everything's coolio. So, um, where's the button? And I will say, take it away, Shay, if I can find it. Here we go. Thanks, Rado. Hey, everybody. Um, so I covered a lot of games this month. I did eight games, I'm pretty sure, uh, which is the most I think I've ever done in a month for Rado. Uh, so uh, watch out, Richard. I'm catching up. I'm sure I'm not. You probably did like 15. Anyway, I did a bunch of games. Two of them were expansions, and then the rest were uh, full games. So I'm going to start with the expansions, uh, starting with uh, the Path of Light and Shadow expansion, Solstice. Uh, this was... So Path of Light and Shadow is a uh, deck-building area control game. It has a lot of uh, running around, fighting different regions, um, but also uh, recruiting people from those regions. It's an interesting take on area control because you... Uh, instead of buying specific cards, you are always drawing cards from the regions that you go to and attack. Um, and uh, it, it changed the system a little bit in, in an interesting way. Now, the Solstice expansion added another island region that you could only get to uh, in a specific way. And also, that region was filled with ruins. Uh, instead of normally, uh, just normal like castle pieces, uh, these ruins, uh, when you attack them, you had the potential of gaining relics out of it. And those relics uh, could be, or were potential one-time were powerful one-time use cards. Uh, on top of that, there's a whole new faction that you can get uh, your uh, cards from, and they had different ways to uh, upgrade them. It was uh, a really cool expansion. It added on to the base game. It also gave uh, some new options for the morality track, which uh, during different actions that you can take during the game will make you more sort of heroic or a little bit more evil. But there wasn't anything for being in the middle. But now with this expansion, it gives you options for uh, going sort of the middle path, which I thought was really uh, a really cool addition. Uh, on top of that, um, it, uh, it added some more, just a lot more cards. It added uh, some more options for your beginning of the game. Um, it gives you uh, a new way to, to start off and just some really cool uh, things, little, <laughs> really cool little additions that you can add to the game. Uh, all in all, I think it was a really good expansion um, that takes a, a, a solid game and makes it that much more interesting. Um, now, for me, the, playing it two-player is not my favorite way to go, which is why it's a little bit lower on this list than the other one, uh, but I still think that this is a great game, especially if you're playing it at three or four players. Now, up next, I had the Alchemy, uh, the Adventures in Alchemy expansion to Adventure Tactics. Adventure Tactics is a great um, entry level, not entry level, I shouldn't say that, but it is very accessible. It is a very accessible campaign story game, and the Adventures of Alchemy expansion just provides a few new additions that uh, I think tweak it in a few different ways, and also gives just a little bit of extra content. It's not a ton of new stuff, but it's very satisfying what they bring in. There's a new class, some new elite classes, and 
if you know about uh, the about adventure tactics, getting more classes is a great addition because that game is all about leveling up. <clears throat> all about leveling up and customizing your character. And this just gives you more ways to do that. On top of that, it gives you a completely new first act storyline uh, that you can go through instead of the original act one. Um, you can play this expansion act one and it's a really cool storyline. It focuses it focuses, from what I've seen, a little bit more on uh, just the actual storytelling of it, which gets you just that much more engaged. On top of that, it doesn't change a whole lot. It just introduces some new stuff that I really like. Uh, but it does change one thing, or it gives you a new way to interact with the initiative system. Uh, there are two new ways. One, you have the option to, uh, instead of changing it round and round, you can keep it more static, which makes it a little bit more predictable and a little bit easier, but definitely, I think, a better option for younger audiences. And um, on top of that, you are given uh, a fate counter, and this fate counter will allow you to manipulate the initiative order uh, once during your encounter. It's a small touch, but it is a an important addition, in my opinion. Um, so that was uh, the alchemy... Uh, expansion, the Adventures in Alchemy expansion to Adventure Tactics. Um, now, those were uh, my two uh, expansions. Both of those, I should also mention, were paid uh, previews. And now I'm going to talk about the main games. So, first up is Vermin Vendetta. This was a paid preview. Um, it was, it is a, uh, I guess you'd call it a, a skirmish, kind of like tactical um, battle game with a deck building mechanic in it. Uh, there are a few deck building games in this uh, roundup. Uh, so Vroom Vendetta is all about bugs. If you're squeamish about bugs, well, too bad. This game's all about bugs, spiders and uh, centipedes and ants and all that. You are playing as a faction of bugs who's trying to defeat the other faction, but really you're trying to pull off objectives. You <clears throat> you start the game with a number of objectives, and if you can complete all of them before your opponent does, you win the game. Uh, but those objectives can be difficult. Um, now, what I really liked about this game is that it is very different from faction to faction. They really feel like they were capturing the essence of you know whatever faction you're playing as. So if you're playing as ants, you were going for a swarming tactic. If you're playing as the myriapods, which is like centipedes and millipedes, they are very uh, strong in the front where they have the big pinchers, and they can move pretty well um, because uh, tactical positioning is very important in this game. But... Uh, they were a lot weaker from the sides. So uh, the different factions really felt unique, and I really liked diving into each faction um, and, and just how they all worked out. Uh, so up next after that is Mosaic. This is a big game of, of empire and civilization building. Um, you are doing a lot of different things. You're, you're drafting t uh, these technology cards. You're, you're researching new technologies, which give you different aspects of your civilization, different uh, aspects of your culture and your strengths. You're using those to enact golden ages or um, make new discoveries. You're using those to build new cities uh, and towns and ports. You're picking up uh, trade goods from the map. You're, you're taxing your citizens and levying uh, tariffs and, doing, and building these grand wonders and building armies. And it, there's a lot going on, but this game doesn't feel incredibly complicated. Honestly, once you get it going, it's really streamlined. You you start playing and then you you immediately get, you know, what's going on. There's definitely strategy to it, but I didn't feel like I was going back to the rule book all the time while I was playing it, which I really appreciated for just how big of a game it was. Now, you're managing some resources and there's a cool uh 
way that your resources are managed, which is that you've got um, your civilization, uh, or sorry, your, your population, um, and then you've got things like uh, stone and ideas uh, and money, and um, you can use, uh, and food, and you can use your population to improve the production on your food, stone, and ideas. Uh, so whenever you're you know, gaining resources in one of those, you're also adding your population. Uh, but your population goes down when you build cities. So there's this really interesting push and pull with that. That's a thing that I really, really liked about this game. And then also, I think the game board is one of the most attractive looking game boards I've seen in a long time. It's uh, it, and it's mosaic, so it has this mosaic tile pattern, and it is just kind of beautiful. Um, the <laughs> the outlines uh, I think are going to be you know made a little bit darker um, between the the borders, but in general, I love looking at this game. It is a real looker. Um, so that was uh, mosaic. Now up next is Robot Quest Arena. And if I didn't say Mosaic was a pay preview, as is Robot Quest Arena. Uh, Robot Quest Arena is a deck-building skirmish game, a deck-building battle game. Um, and this one is, uh, it's a lot like, imagine cute battle bots. You remember battle bots? Uh, there's also a British one, which I don't remember the name of it, but just, you know, robots in a fighting arena, but cute. Uh, this game is adorable. You are playing these like bubblegum robots that are moving around and fighting each other. And the way that they're doing that is through the deck building game. Now this uh, game is also, um, it's by the publishers uh, that brought you Star Realm and Hero Realms. So you know they, they know how deck builders work. And I, I think that design uh, was is shown here as well. I think the the deck building of this is uh, not overly complicated, but it is it's tight. It's very uh, mechanically sound. I've the um, the the balance between deck building and attacking is a really satisfying uh, puzzle to do, to to work through. Um, at any given moment, you can uh, you can play your cards, and if they give you energy, you can use that to move around the board, or you can use that to buy cards. And sometimes you're going to want to buy cards. Sometimes you're going to want to uh, move around the board. Uh, and obviously, you're buying you know and using attack cards and and ability cards and stuff like that. But figuring out what the best thing to do in any given moment is a really satisfying tactical puzzle. But on top of that, it's very accessible. It's a really easy thing to pick up and learn and play. It works well at two players. Um, I think I, I like it a lot at two players, actually, because you have two different robots on your team, and each robot has a different ability. So uh, you aren't locked into any one strategy. You can kind of mix and match with that. Uh, on top of that, you can adapt your board every time you play, so the game is going to be um, changing all the time, and I'm pretty sure there are other expansions that are going to add more robots and more cards uh, and all kinds of stuff. So Robot Quest Arena, it's very fun, it's very quick, very light, but uh, I like it a lot. And uh, some of you might know, Star Realms, one of my favorite uh, deck builders, um, so I, I really appreciate like that level of... Um, deck building design being uh, put into something that has a little bit more um, intricacy into it. So uh, I, I thought this was a really, a really good deck builder. So that was Robot Quest Arena. Now up next is Eclipse. Eclipse, uh, this was not a, a um, this was not a sponsored video. This uh, was one that we did because I am actually teaching Eclipse. I uh, 
it should be up right now. I have a teaching video up on my channel, RTFM, Teaching Eclipse. And uh, this is a big space-based 4X game. I'm sure you've heard of another game that is similar to that. Um, and yes, this game is somewhat similar in setting to Twilight Imperium, but in my opinion, they are completely different games. This is much more focused on resource management and, uh, and honestly, combat. Uh, you are much quicker to fight in, uh, in Eclipse, I think, and uh, combat is encouraged from the get-go. Uh, this is a, a very strong balance of the two, uh, of the two genres of games, and so I really appreciated that. On top of that, you've got some great artwork on this. The, um, the sculpts for each different player's ships are different. I think that's uh, just an impressive attention to detail. And the game is a lot of fun. It's it's a satisfying puzzle. It is a an evening of a game, but it's not going to take your entire day. And uh, it's it is just a really uh, a really fun thing to work out with uh, with all of your other players. Um, sometimes you can be a little bit diplomatic. A lot of times you're going to be fighting each other, but. Uh, there's there's a lot there to keep each game interesting and new and fresh, um, and that uh, and that is Eclipse. Um, so uh, up next, I, I, I guess I should have been numbering these, um, but I don't know what the numbers are at this point. I think that was my number three game. Anyway, uh, my number two game is Castlescape. Um, this is another deck builder. This is a deck builder area control game, but this has such an interesting mixture of the two and uh, that, that I really, really enjoyed it. Oh, um, and this is a, uh, a sponsored video. It's a paid preview, I should say. Um, in Castlescape, you are deck building, uh, but you're deck building in order to get cards that will let you put walls onto a big grassy field um, and put out uh, your followers onto uh, the field as well because the king has asked you to build him a grand castle and so you need to do so but also to make sure your name's on the walls when you do it um, because you're putting out walls and you want to complete baileys which are enclosed sections of walls with at least one space in the middle but that's no good if you don't control it once it's finished. You control it with those followers. They are going to stand on the walls or stand inside the courtyards and they are going to influence those sections. And then once they're completed, you'll get points based on how big it is and whether or not you control it. But in the meantime, you have to deck build to make sure you can build more walls, put out more followers and get more money in order to you know get more of all the stuff. On top of that, and this I think is what really uh, makes it work for me, is you can be a little underhanded. And yes, you can. Uh, some of the cards have abilities that, um, that affect your opponents, but that's not exactly what I'm talking about. There is a system in this game called Infamy, and you have a little Infamy track. And some of the more powerful cards, uh, some of the cards that are just a little bit cheaper or just a little bit more effective, will give you Infamy. And uh, at certain points during the game, there's going to be an inspection, and for each amount of, uh, for each level of infamy that you have, you have to remove your followers from the board. On top of that, you have you can get corruption. Um, normally, after an inspection, your infamy resets to zero, but if you have corruption, it'll reset to whatever your corruption is at. And uh, not only that, it's also worth uh, negative points. But the cards that give you corruption are very powerful. Um, so you really have to balance like maybe I want to take on a little bit of corruption because if I do if I can take this card I know I'll be able to control these the Baileys that are coming out 
On top of that, you've got uh, things like um, endgame scoring cards that are secret. You've got public goals that you're racing towards, and those are always going to change the way that you play because sometimes they're about building really big baileys or completing a lot of them really quickly or being corrupt. It provides a lot of opportunity um, for underhanded play, but also for straightforward play. You can really play in a lot of different ways with this game, and some of that's dependent on just what cards come up, but a lot of it's dependent on how you want to be. So uh, that was my number two, Castlescape. And for my number one game, uh, now, this is one that I did a Final Thoughts with uh, Rado about. Um, this is The Initiative, or The <laughs> Initiative, uh, as my friends and I often call it. Um, the Initiative is a, uh, a code-breaking game. Uh, there's And there's two aspects of it. Um, this is a, a campaign. You've got this story where you're playing as a group of teenagers who found just a game, a board game, in a yard sale. And they took it home, but they soon found out that there was something a little bit more sinister going on. But when you're playing the game, this is a pretty light, like very light pandemic-style co-op game. You've got players with their own unique abilities. They're going around the board, and they're picking up clues. But these clues... Sometimes they're clues, sometimes they're blanks, sometimes they're traps. Uh, but what they're what you're hoping for is you're going to flip up the windows of this little uh, you got this little code breaking kind of uh, plastic contraption which you slide a card into. It's covered by these windows, but it tells you uh, which symbols you're looking for. And you can find those. It'll give you uh, clues to the code. Sometimes you're just trying to find a word, and if you flip all the windows, you know what the word is, but you don't always need to flip all the windows. Sometimes you can just figure it out. But sometimes it's a puzzle. You know, it's, uh, you're trying to find a sequence of numbers and then you, uh, so flipping those windows will get you this sequence, but you're not trying to find that. You're trying to find the next number in the sequence. So it's got some extra added layers to it. I loved the code breaking in this. Um, I, I really, really like escape rooms and my group, uh, really dug this game because it really felt like a playing an escape room. Honestly, a little bit more than most games that are called escape room games, uh, for whatever reason. It just it just felt so satisfying going for this this code breaking puzzles because the the code breaking puzzles were interesting, um, but you always knew what you were getting into. And then sometimes through the story, you had extra story puzzles. Now, I talked to Richard about this, and he and I differed a little bit on our opinions about this game, but I think that's largely because he was playing at four player. Or no, he was playing at two players, and I was playing it at four players. And I think four player is really the way to go. It makes the game a little bit harder, and it makes everyone's decisions and, and actions while playing the pandemic part of the game uh, that much more important. So if you're going to play it, I'd say three or four players. Although if you go and watch our final thoughts, uh, Richard puts out a really interesting two-player variant that I would be excited to try out. Um, also, if you don't like using the, the physical like plastic um, window system, I'm pretty sure there is an app that you can do that does the entire uh, thing, the same thing for you. Um, honestly, a bit easier. You just have it on your phone. You tap the things that you need to do, uh, and it reveals it for you. Uh, but there it is. That is my number one game, uh, The Initiative. Uh, and that is all of the eight games I covered this month. I think some of them maybe have technically been at the end of last month, and I don't know if Adventures in Alchemy is out just yet, but those are the games I covered, and I am tired uh, now. So I am going to pass it on back to you, and I'm going to go take a nap. Bye, everyone. Well done, Shay. That was a lot. And uh, 
I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm just completely amped up now because I was just letting that play. It's weird. Streamlabs OBS gives me no control over a media stream, so once it started, I couldn't pause it or stop it or anything. And uh, just had to let it play out, and... Uh, but still... It seemed to work okay. I did have a little bit of fun chatting with the folks and uh, making a little bit of fun of some of Shay's picks because I would certainly agree with some of them and not others. As Shay mentioned, I also played The Initiative last month and we'll be getting into that in my countdown. But before we get to the main games, uh, yes, Marlon uh, Cruz, great job, Shay. And uh, before we get to my main game countdown, we are now going to move on to the next slide where I'll be talking about, if I recall correctly, I think it was four expansions, I, I believe. So, uh, again, for my least favorite time, most favorite, uh, first expansion I will mention is the Gamora playable deck from Marvel Champions. And you know, longtime fans of the show know that I love me some Marvel Champions. I've got to play it every month when I get the chance. And two new expansions showed up from the Guardians of the Galaxy. And Gamora is cool. Make no mistake, just because she's at the bottom of this list doesn't mean I don't think she's a lot of fun to play. But the things that um, really stand out for her are just not my thing. Her biggest one is like, oh, who was it before her? Um, oh, Spider-Woman. She can have multiple aspects in her deck, which is great if you're into deck building. I am not. Or deck construction, I should say. And then also, kind of like Captain America and uh, Doctor Strange, she almost feels a little bit too powerful because she's so incredibly balanced. She can handle anything. It's like uh, they took that line from Endgame where uh, Thanos was talking to her, talking about perfect balance. She is perfect balance personified, which is cool thematically, but she is just, she almost felt too powerful to play with. So she comes in a little bit lower. Uh, then we move on to my number three, role player fiends and familiars. And role player Jen and I both love to pieces. One, for both of us, one of our favorite games of all time, a really rich, intricate, puzzle full of dice drafting and card drafting, but dice manipulation as well as we try to create the perfect fantasy character based on their strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. So Fiends and Familiars expansion adds another metric you're trying to put dice into your familiar, whether it's a, a fox or a wolf or an owl or a lizard or whatever it might be. And this gives you extra slots to put dice into place and uh, gives you other things to try to chase after. And really liked... The uh, the familiars. They were great. A wonderful addition. I would always want to play with them if possible because they give a greater value to low dice. Normally, most of the time, you're trying to get the biggest, heaviest dice you can, but with the familiars, you want lower value dice. So that's really cool. The fiends are awesome too because they put an extra penalty if you grab those high dice. You suddenly get haunted by the fiend of hunger or various and sundry things that until you get rid of them by using charisma to make them go away, they'll just kind of slow you down a little bit, but you got to deal with them if you want to get the really big dice. Um, so I love the fiends and I love the familiars. That said, I was disappointed. Um, like the previous expansion, minions and monsters, monsters and minions are back. But in the previous one, as I recall, the rules made them optional, and now they're kind of mandatory, and I'm still just not a fan of them. They just add way too much role to resolve, and they really kind of detract from the game. So I've kind of had mixed feelings about Fiends and Familiars. I could be wrong. Maybe you are still allowed to take them out. It's just the rules didn't include a variant to take them out anymore, like uh, Monsters and Minions had. So anyway, uh, um, still, role player continues to be awesome. And for folks who love the Monsters and Minions, Fiends and Familiars is a no-brainer. It was my number three. Then we go on to number two, Paris Le Trois. 
And I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, I did have to look it up, and it's and this is the first time I've said it since I filmed a few weeks ago. Les Trois? Uh, somebody in the chat can correct me if I got that wrong. But uh, this is a great little expansion. I think it's still on Kickstarter right now. This was my first paid preview of the month, I should mention. And oh dear, I forgot to put that on the PowerPoint slide. Too late. Um, and this is... Uh, Paris is already a phenomenal design from uh, my favorite design duo, uh, Kramer and Kiesling. So uh, getting new stuff from them is great. And the interesting thing is, they almost never do expansions for their games. It's very, very rare for them. So, uh, that just shows me they really love this game, and they were ready to go back and bring more in. And what they added were, were new special powers that you can swap in and out that makes going to the Arc de Triomphe much more valuable than it used to be. So, and then it adds a whole bunch of new uh, special outer ring car, uh, powers you can grab that mix the game up quite a bit. The game was already great. This is one of those expansions that just expands. It doesn't change the game. Game. It just makes it richer and deeper, and uh, I like Paris even more now. But my number one of the month, which you might have guessed, uh, is... Oh, gotta get back. There we go. Is Marvel Champions again. Star-Lord. Gamora was my least favorite of the month. Star-Lord is fantastic. I so enjoyed him because... Um, well, one, he's maybe not overpowered like Gamora, but his central thing... Uh, thematically and gameplay-wise is, he is risky. Uh, he has a power called What Could Go Wrong that says, hey, I can get three um, uh, I can get three points off the cost of playing cards if I take a negative uh, event card that I'll have to deal with later. And a lot of his cards do the same thing. You can pump them up and make them do more damage or all kinds of stuff. If you just say, oh, well, I'll... I'll, I'll I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. I want the discount. I want the extra damage. But then when Tuesday comes around, and he might have two or three or four extra encounter cards that now he has to resolve, and you know, and, and you got to pay the piper. It's just so perfect for his character, at least based on the movies. And it's just really, really sharp. It does add some randomness, but in the best way. Uh, very, very impressive. Uh, one of the most fun characters, I think, in the entire Marvel Champions pantheon. And it was my number one expansion of the month, Star-Lord. And now, before I continue, let's just make sure... Oh, hey, Kabuki Kid is in the house. Um, and, alrighty. Let's see. Yep, everything seems to be going okay. So, folks, we are now going to begin the countdown of, uh, of our favorite games of the month. And we will start with... I genuinely don't remember. I have to push the button. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Oh yes, number 12, Adlung Land, which is a very, very tiny deck of cards uh, that has a really deep game. It's surprisingly deep. This is about trying to make a really uh, 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 the, the best funfair, and players are contributing to a central funfair. You've got a hand of cards, 
And um, generally, you are going to be trying to build on the outskirts, but there's one card on the table that says what direction you have to build in, whether it's north, south, east, or west. And so if I build to the south, because that's what the card says, then it rotates, and so the next player has to build to the west. And then the next player has to build to the north. And then the next player has to build to the east. And this is a really interesting constraint, because you can see what it's going to be, but on your turn, if you want, you can discard extra cards to rotate it more, because I'm really desperate to build on the east right now, because an opportunity has opened up where if I put this card, but next to these other two cards, it'll have a huge payday. It's very sharp, and there's a lot of interesting decisions to make. Each card has the potential to bring catastrophe your way, and you can keep kind of tra- trading back and forth between players, but the ones that are most, um, you know, have, have the most maintenance costs and whatnot generally tend to be the ones that give you the most points as well. It's really clever. And actually, we liked it a lot. And as we were playing it, I was thinking, yeah, this is going to be one of the highest rated games of the month. And by the way, it's long out of print. I, I played it because one of my high-level Patreon backers, who backs at a level where you can say, I want you to play this game because I want to know about it. So Jen and I played it, and we were really impressed. I thought it was going to come in pretty high. But there is a set of end game rules. Once the game uh, end is triggered, that just kind of ruin it for us. I was shocked. It is rare. I see such uh, rules that just make me say, what? What are you thinking? This makes no sense. That's crazy. Um, Basically, once the game end is triggered, suddenly um, everybody gets like one more round of building and costs go out the window. And you don't... I mean, normally a big part of the game is, oh, I have to discard cards to play this. I have to give them to you, my opponent. But in the last round, I don't. And it can just become really... Just weird, so incredibly strange, um, and uh, you know, and it can really make the end game really swinging. And I have no idea why they did this. It makes no sense to me. Um, I mean, you know, one of the penalties you can take for building something really expensive, worth a lot of points, are these cards that make you skip your next turn. If you build one of those buildings in the last round, there's no penalty because you don't have any more turns. And so you, I mean, I actually won the game. I beat Jen by twenty or thirty points because the last card I played, I. I it was one of the most valuable in the entire game, and I didn't have to pay anything for it because I didn't care about the penalties I ascribed, and I didn't have to pay by giving Jen any cards. And so I won. Adelung Land has, uh, is brilliant right up until the finish line, and then it trips and stumbles and falls. And I'm going to keep it because it's so easy to fix. I rarely do... Um, what do you call it? Uh, can't think of the word. Oh, variants. Uh, but as Shay mentioned before, I, uh, we did have a variant we were doing for initiative, and um, and the core game is so good. We really enjoyed it. Plus, again, it's just a deck of cards, and it's so deep and so rich. Um, can't can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just need to fix that ending of my number twelve of the month, which is rated. I, I'm again with the variant. I'd rate it much higher, but I'm rating it now based on the official rules. Number twelve, Adlung Land. Then we go on to number eleven, the initiative, and yes. As Shay, it was Shay's number one, and it's almost at the bottom of my list. And you know, as Shay said, Jen and I only played it as a two-player game, and he would agree as well that it is um, much better to play this game at higher player counts. It really it works as a two-player game kind of almost barely, it becomes so easy that it almost feels more like an activity rather than a game. Um, And maybe that's just because Jen and I are really, really good at imperfect communication games where I've got my hand of cards, I need to play smart um, in such a way that it won't mess up what you're trying to do. And Jen and I just found... We almost got to the point where 
you know, Jen was really enjoying the uh, escape room puzzly aspects. And she's like, could we just stop playing the game and just solve the puzzles? Uh, and uh, and that was unfortunate. Now, uh, if you go watch the final thoughts uh, that we did, for the last couple games Jen and I played, we said, okay, to heck with this. Let's implement a two-player special rule that I came up with on the spot that really made it much more interesting and engaging. And what's interesting, uh, the designer, Cor Kanitia, after we filmed, I found, he posted, I think on Board Game Geek somewhere, that he said, yeah, you know what? If you're playing two-player, you might want to institute this rule over here, which I thought was a brilliant, another brilliant way to, quote, fix it for two-player. So I'm not quite sure um, what, you know, if, if Corey himself is throwing out, you know, quasi-official variants to make the two-player game a little bit more tighter and a little bit more um, tension-filled, well, then I, I feel kind of justified in putting it number eleven. But uh, you know, as Shay said, at a high, at a full-player count, the way it's meant to be played, it, it really feels like it's meant to be a higher-player count game. I, I suspect it's fantastic. Plus, the code-breaking stuff is really, really well implemented. And the nice thing is, even after you've quote finished the game and you've gone through all the code-breaking. It, and, and it unlocked all the special bonus stuff. There's a ton of stuff that comes with this game. It looks like the publisher is going to be releasing additional code-breaking puzzles online that you can continue to play with uh, if you use... It's not an app. You go to a website, so you can use your laptop to run it and all that. So, it's a very impressive little game. I, I loved everything about it. I, lo- I especially loved the storytelling in the narrative campaign. Really best-of-class stuff with a couple little... But again, Shay and I talked about this at great length. You can go watch, uh, do a Google search for Rado Final Thoughts Initiative, and you'll hear us really dig deep, because we both had a lot to say about this game. Him because he loved it, me because I was a bit disappointed in it, and it's my number 11 of the month, The Initiative. Then we move on to number 10, We Care, which is basically... Uh, the Grizzled 2. And um, rather than being, you know, it's a cooperative game where players are all struggling together to try to overcome obstacles um, because we have to play cards from our hands and we can't tell each other what's in our hands. You know, that same kind of imperfect in communication. It's, uh, it, you know, it, it's 90, 85-90% the same gameplay as The Grizzled, which was a game about French soldiers in World War One trying to survive. But this has been brought to the modern day and it is about um, uh, medical professionals trying to save lives during a global pandemic. And it's interesting, this game actually was developed and has come out in response to the pandemic our world is living through right now because they wanted a game that celebrates all the bravery and sacrifice that medical professionals around the world are um, you know, giving every day to try to save people. And so it's it's got a brilliant message, but even more so, if you pick up a copy of We Care, a portion of the profits for it goes directly to Doctors Without Borders. So this game is actually, in a small way, making the world a better place. And I love all of that. But why did it come in at number 10 at the lower end? Um, well, really because... Well, The Grizzled is a great game. I actually rate it very highly. And We Care is a great game, too. But this is another case where it felt like the two-player implementation just missed it by that much. And you should really be playing with three or four or five players the way it's, quote, meant to be played. It actually brought the, um, what's it called, the rookie rules for two-player from the uh, At Your Orders Grizzled expansion. And I thought that worked brilliantly there. But they made a core change to the way that the uh, rookie, now called the works that kind of robs a lot of the specialness of it. I talked about this in my run-through. And so, I mean, I've got the Grizzled. 
that's probably the one that's going to work best for me and Jen because we only play two-player and the Grizzled, with the official rules, is better at two-player. But we care. I One, I think its strengths, aside from you know, a change in theme, that I, I think is going to be a lot more attractive than a really dark um, and uh, you know almost depressing game about you know trench warfare of World War One, as opposed to brave doctors and nurses saving people's lives. I think the the theme for We Care is much better, and also the gameplay has been streamlined in some ways to make it a little bit more gateway family friendly, which is definitely the smart thing to do. And they also added some new features that uh, adds a little bit more uh, variety. This idea that people that we ourselves can get sick and have to be quarantined for a while before we can come back, and everybody has to work without us. So there's a cool new ideas, and I think We Care is brilliant if you're going to play with at least three players. But the way they implemented the two-player, I was not a super fan of, which is why it comes in at number 10, We Care. Then we go on to number 9, Fort, which interestingly uh, was already covered on my channel a couple of months ago. Uh, Tim Chuen, who has a great YouTube channel, I highly recommend it. Uh, do a search for YouTube Tim Chuen, C-H-U-O-N. He does beautiful board game um, videos. He's either a professional photographer, so some of the best-looking board game video you'll ever see. But anyway, Tim covered it uh, as kind of like a guest spot a couple of months ago. Did a quick little rundown, or roundup, a round, no, a rundown of it, and it piqued my interest so much that I decided to go out and get it myself, because he kind of convinced me that it'll work for me and Jen. And so we got it, we played it, and it came in at number nine. And that's not the fault of the game. Here's the deal. This is a game about uh, kids playing in their backyard trying to build forts. And your deck of cards represents all your friends. And on a turn, you've got a handful of cards. You're going to get to play one of them. And then you can uh, potentially... And that represents you playing with one of the kids and getting to activate special powers that that kid has. You can back them up by having matching suit cards that also play. So it's like it's a big play group and it makes the cards stronger. And then you do whatever the actions are. And then everybody else around the table gets to do one of the two actions. So they're even getting to play. So I love the theme of this, you know, childhood togetherness play. And the cards in your hand that you don't play, they go to your yard. And what that means is, um, during every other player's turn, they have, because I didn't play with those other kids, I didn't play with Crash or Golden Boy or any of my other friends, they might be sad and dejected and decide to go play with one of my opponents, which is to say, other players can draft cards from my deck. And I mean, a lot of people said, oh, Rado, you're not going to like Ford because that's really mean. Players are stealing cards from each other. It didn't feel that way at all to me. It's uh, more, almost kind of like a Seven Wonders drafting game where, hey, I've got uh, a handful of cards. I can only pick one. I've got to give the rest to my neighbor. Maybe I'll see some of them. Maybe I won't. So I don't really feel like I own the cards in my deck. I'm just temporary steward of them. Almost kind of like a twa thing with the dice. So didn't have a problem with that at all. I thought it was actually really clever. I mean, the game has very much a Glory to Rome vibe. I'm sure the development was inspired by Glory to Rome. My problem is several of the card effects are all about, oh, that's a really nice card you've got over there. It'd be a shame if it were assassinated. I don't know what thematically happens. I assume the kid just gets bullied and leaves town and, there, and goes because the card goes back to the box. And I just don't know why that was there. That felt very mean-spirited. Um, in a game that's all about kids playing together, that kids, oh, well, this one kid, every time I play him, I can pick uh, any of my opponent's cards and just eliminate that from the game. And that one thing, because it shows up on several cards as a power, and it can be a very power... If, if there's a 
card that you didn't play. You know what? If I draft it, that's kind of painful, but chances are it'll come back to you because sooner or later I won't play it and you can get it back. But instead, me just trashing your cards, removing them from the game for no benefit to myself, only to hurt you, was uh, a fort too far. And that's why for us, sadly, as much as we love the art, we love the playful nature of it, the strategy of the game is really good, but there's just a little bit too much to take that in, so it comes in. Number nine, fort. Then we go on to um, number eight, and it's not playing for some reason. Play. What are you doing? There we go. Phew. Uh, Vengeance, Roll and Fight, which was a paid Kickstarter preview. Uh, this is a roll and ride game uh, themed after Vengeance, which uh, is a, a bigger, more elaborate uh, uh, board game, all, which basically retells the story of a revenge movie like Kill Bill or, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, What's so hot? Oh, John Wick. It, you know, it tells that kind of story. And uh, because players have been wronged, and they're going to the hideout of the, the gang that did something terrible to them and getting vengeance. Uh, you know, running around like martial arts masters, just taking out bad guys left, right, and center, and trying to beat the boss. And in this game, you do it during a real-time roll as fast as you can dice sequence where you're rolling dice trying to match patterns on all the different special powers you've got and um, after the rolling sequence is done and we've unlocked all the moves we're going to do whether we're shooting guns or um, doing backflips or whatever then uh, we do the that was the rolling and it's all real time dice drafting trying to grab dice as fast as you can then the riding happens which is about using those dice spending those dice to puzzle our way through the, the enemy lair taking out bad guys completing objectives etc it's really good and um, if you like real time dice drafting uh, and you like revenge style cinema this is a game that was literally made for you because it does what it intends to do beautifully. It's really well done, but it doesn't come in very high for, for me and Jen for a couple of reasons. One, Jen did not like the subject matter at all. Because this is, you know, this is as, as bloody and violent as Kill Bill. Or, um, you know, or... Um, uh, Death Wish, or you know, or, or any number of, of of examples in in cinema. Uh, so she didn't like the theme. She only actually begrudgingly played along because this was actually developed by friends of ours from Malta. And she's like, "Oh, is it from that?" Okay, okay, I'll give it a try. She wishes, and I do too, that it was set in maybe like a high fantasy or a sci-fi setting because then she wouldn't feel quite so bad about just literally killing, just mowing down people with machine guns and whatnot. Uh, the other issue is. And um, you know, and, and this was a problem for both of us. If there's one player during the real-time dice drafting that is just quicker and more decisive, they will grab the majority of the dice. And um, when the prototype we played, there was nothing to kind of mitigate that. And a lot of games that do real-time dice drafting, they'll do something like, hey, you know what? If um, the, the first player, they get a bonus for grabbing all the dice, but other players get this bonus for coming in later. There was nothing like that. And it was a problem because I was implicitly faster than Jen. So she felt really, you know, there, there was like no catch mechanism or anything like that. And um, I don't know. You can hit that. You, you can go check out. the. It's still on Kickstarter right now and see if that's anything they addressed. But right now, it requires, with the prototype I played, the rules I played, it requires players of relatively comparable skill. Um, you know, at, at the at the at the fast rolling and re-rolling and, and thinking quickly, making snap decisions. 
So again, it's great at all of that. Didn't work out for me in Gen, but uh, I mean, high fantasy, and uh, I can imagine a couple of very simple rules that would, um, you know, oh, if if you did, if you end up getting fewer dice than everybody else, here you get this extra little bonus. So a simple little thing like that would help offset, you know, that some players are just going to be quicker than others. But still, really, really great and roll time, real time dice rollers, di- dice fans who like rolling rights, who like revenge flicks. Uh, it's it's a it's the game. Um, you know, made in heaven for you. My number eight, Vengeance. Roll and fight. Then we go on to number seven, Bullet. Although I don't know if it's actually called Bullet Heart because there's literally a heart in the title. If you go on Board Game Geek, you'll see its name is actually Bullet Heart Emoji. So I'll just call it Bullet, or maybe Bullet Heart. I'm not quite sure how you're supposed to say it out loud. But this is another real-time game, and it's really cool. Jen and I actually like this one quite a bit. And there's two ways you can play. You can play as kind of like a dueling head-to-head where it's kind of... It's a very abstract game that is all about reaching into your bag as fast as you can, pulling out these bullet chips, putting them on your little field of bullets that are coming at you. Somebody's shooting a lot of bullets at us. And as they work their way further and further down our little field, they will eventually hit us. But we have special abilities that allow us to manipulate the bullets, to move them left, right, up and down, and and swap positions and stuff like that. And if we can match certain bullet patterns uh, by getting the right bullets, the right numbers, the right colors into the right position, we can take those bullets and redirect them towards our opponent. Feels very much like an old school, you know, uh, Tetris, Dr. Mario kind of vibe where, hey, when you clear out lines, that means the other player gets hit. And we really liked it quite a bit. Fun, fast, really sharp, very puzzly. Um, the game is timed. We have three minutes in a given round to, to, to deal with all the bullets that are in our bag. Um, and honestly, the t- for people who are put off by the timer, don't worry. It's more than enough time. Jen and I never came close to running out of time in this game. The timer is just there more to kind of give you just a little bit of... Just a little push so you don't spend too much time overanalyzing. But the bigger thing is, well, like the previous game, you are racing against somebody else. But in this game, there is, there's only the tiniest benefit for being first to finish. You get first dibs on drafting special powers for the next round. Um, whereas if you take your time, then you can actually think longer and harder and probably come up with good uh, strategy as opposed to just going as fast as you can. But then, the cool thing about the game is there's a totally different way to play where it's fully cooperative. Where where you're still doing the same thing. Bullets are coming at you, you're trying to rearrange them into patterns, um, but not to send the bullets to each other, but to send them to a communal boss that we're both fighting. And Jen and I were really surprised. It's incredibly crunchy. And it's so crunchy that they get rid of the timer. Because you need time to stop and think about how best to beat these bosses. And it was very challenging, really well done, and we liked that one quite a bit. But we were surprised we liked the duel, too. Um, really, really sharp game. Highly recommended. I don't know if it's really gotten much buzz, but really sharp. All the different playable characters are radically different. Some of them are almost like they're playing completely different games. They're so asymmetrical. But a really neat game. Um, great production. Good, uh, just good, solid fun. My number seven of the month. Bullet, or Bullet Heart. Then we go on to number six. Juicy Fruits, which is a cool little... Um, Puzzly, uh, harvesting goods to convert them into points style game. 
my favorite, and Jen's favorite too. And this game, we have this tropical resort island that we're in charge of. And there are a bunch of tiles on the island. And what we're actually doing on our turn is we pick one of the tiles and slide them through the jungle as far as we can in a straight line. Almost like... I mean, if you you know sliding puzzles where you have to get all the numbers 1 through 15 in place because there's one hole and you have to use that to move all the tiles around? This is kind of like that, but because you're, you're picking a tile, sliding it, and the farther it slides, the more oranges or bananas or um, mangosteens, whatever those are, you get to harvest. And you're harvesting these because if you get the right combinations, you can fulfill contracts and score points. But if you get the right combinations, you can also use them to buy upgrades for your island. You know, point scoring resorts or um, you know, uh, what is it? Um, ice cream stands. Then when the ice cream uh, stand moves around, you get to spend all of the fruit you've previously collected to make delicious ice cream, which is worth a bunch of points as well. It's sir it looks so simple. It's bright, vibrant, colorful. Seems just like it's a, a game for kids almost, but it's not. It is surprisingly crunchy. There is a lot to think about because um, as you complete more contracts, the boat tiles that, that represent those contracts go away, and that means you've got more space on your board to be able to move the tiles around to do bigger harvests. But at the same time, as you get um, you know, like the resorts that give you points, those clog up your island again and make it tougher to be able to slide your pieces around with maximum efficiency to get the fruit you need. It's really neat. Uh, We were both very, very impressed by it. I don't know if it's available yet. I think it's just now coming out. Do not judge a book by this cover. Like I said, this game looks like it's made for families, but there is... I mean, and and honestly, this is a game. If you you leave uh, some of the modules out, it is very simple to teach. But it is really deep and very crunchy, and so it is a good gamer geek style game that you could maybe use, um, you know, to play with your family members as well. You just have to take it easy on them because it really does push your gray matter a surprising amount. My number six of the month, Juicy Fruits. Then we go on to the uh, number five of the month, The Lions of Lydia, and uh, yeah, this is from designer Johnny Pack, who a couple of years ago had a huge breakout year where he released three games, Coloma, Sierra West, and Fistful of Meeples. All three of them were excellent, very well received. And um, yeah, and it was like a, hello world, I'm a new designer and I'm hot. And then he started doing like some collaborations with other designers and whatnot. But Lions of Lydia is his first, I believe, standalone design since then. And it's great. As far as I'm concerned, he is continuing his hot streak. This is a worker placement game. It's a bag-building worker placement game where you've got a bag full of meeples that represent merchants um, uh, way in antiquity. The whole game is actually about the birth of coinage and how it fundamentally changed society when people realized, oh, we don't have to directly barter. We can use this as a proxy for goods. And uh, it's beautiful the way the game works is because you've got your regular uh, merchants who, when you put them on the board, they can harvest, um, you know, what are they? Uh, grain and you know, bricks and stone, all the kind of stuff you expect. And, um, and then you can use those things to build new buildings and whatnot. But over the course of the game, as you unlock certain cards and, you know, and make your enterprise, your economy bigger, you bring in the, the Lydian merchants, which are actually little golden meeples. And when you use them, the Lydian merchants, they don't harvest goods. They allow you to convert your previously harvest goods into gold coins, the lions, which were actually stamped on every one of them. The Lions of Lydia were the first coins in human history, at least recorded human history. And um, when you start collecting these, it's incredibly powerful because they're wild and they can stand in for anything. So as the, the Lydian merchants start working their 
their way into the simulation and money starts to become a thing. And then by the end of the game, all you care about is money. This game tells a really interesting story, but on um, it also comes with, I forget, like eight different little modules that you can mix and match. Every time you play, you can turn on two or three different modules and get a very, very different game. Whether you turn on the architects or the tombs or, um, you know, there's lots of different things you can do. Special types of cards that wouldn't be available normally that you can buy. The game has tons of replayability, um, tons of variety, and uh, it's hard. It's a really sharp worker placement game, too, where every time I place a worker, I am potentially, most of the time, creating opportunities for you. And that's something i got to bear in mind as well. It's really great. Johnny Pack continues to impress my number five of the month, The Lions of Lydia. Then we go on to number four, Paperback Adventures, which is another paid Kickstarter preview, and this game is fantastic. This asks the question, what would happen if you um, cross uh, deck building, Scrabble, and Dungeon Crawls? What you get is Paperback Adventures, and it combines those three things together so well. On your turn, uh, and by the way, by default, it's a solo game, but there are they are developing two-player cooperative rules as well, and I played it solo, had a fantastic time. I played it with the early two, the, the co-op rules, uh, which you can find out more if you go to the Kickstarter page. I think it's still on Kickstarter right now. And Jen and I had a great time. It's fantastic. On your turn, you've got a hand of cards. You're going to play them to try to make the best word you can. But unlike other word games, which have kind of become a little popular subgenre over the last few years, with the advent of paperback and its success. There's lots of other games that are doing this now. But most of the time, you know, whatever whatever system I have to get these cards, I'm just trying to make the best word I can to score the most points, like Scrabble. This game is interesting because every card has special powers on them. And um, once you've made your word, whatever card is on the top, that special power will get activated. And then that card will get trashed and leave your deck. And so, over time, as you're using these special powers and making words to use the right special power at the right time, you're also weakening your deck. There's an atrophy element, and it kind of represents you getting beaten down by the bad guys as you get more and more tired as you are running out. I mean, generally, your best powers, those are the ones you want to use to start or end a word with them, and those will be the ones that are then gone, and you have to try and finish them off uh, with, with the remaining cards. Although this is a deck builder, so in between fights, because you actually, to play a full campaign, you play through, if I recall correctly, eight or nine different fights with increasingly more powerful bosses, uh, you know, fantasy monsters. And uh, it just, and so you're building your deck, uh, you know, between the fights, the monsters are getting tougher, and it's all driven by a really, and the interesting thing is, unlike a lot of these games where, I often feel really stupid playing games like this because I just I'm personally not great at Scrabble. I have a hard time coming just pulling good words out of my head. This game, you'll do really well if you can come up with okay words because it's as much as the word as it is using those powers. And the other thing too, once you come up with your word, you splay the word left or right, which means you reveal all the icons on the left of your cards or the right of your cards to give you a lot of attack or a lot of defense, a lot of mana so you can use special powers. It's really really good. Um, no, it is from the same designer as Paperback. And uh, yeah, Jen and I really enjoyed it quite a bit. A lot of variety with the bosses, the playable characters, um, the special powers, all of it. It's my number four of the month, Paperback Adventures. Then we go on to number three. Twi- uh, start over. Uh, then we've got my number three of the month, Tranquility the Ascent, which is uh, a paid Kickstarter preview for a game that's actually going to be live on Kickstarter in late June. And I've got to say, folks, this one really blew me away. It's a game where you can play solo or cooperatively. It's an imperfect 
communication game where players have a hand of cards that represents um, all the different stages of a mountain that we are trying to climb. We are trying to make the ascent. And uh, on our turn, usually what we're going to try and do is play a card to build up the mountain. We can win if we can make it all the way up to the top of the summit and get that last piece built. But there are some pretty harsh restrictions on how we play cards. They have to play from left to right. Um, you know, you start out playing on the base, and then once you've built some base, you can start uh, from left to right on the second level, and the third level, and the fourth level. So um, you, you're a little bit confined there. But the more interesting thing is, every card has a number on it. And if you play, say, uh, a three, and then I play a seven next to your three, because we're just trying to build the base of this mountain, the difference between seven and three is four. That means I have to discard four cards to play that. So that's a bad move, because the deck is our timer. Once the deck runs out of cards, we lose. So um, we have to be really, really careful uh, when we're playing these cards to leave things open so that our teammate doesn't have to just jettison a lot of cards to play. Um, But the problem is, we don't know what's in each other's hands. So we have to do a lot of intuition, Um, Why did you build there? What's going on over there? Um, There are other restrictions too. Uh, The cards come in three different colors, so you can't play a red next to a red. So if you've just played a red seven, and then I've also got a red seven in my hand, I'd love to play that because seven minus seven is zero. I could play this card for free, but I can't play a red next to another red. But then on top of that, in the deck, there are special cards like bridges that we can use to buy our time. We can put a bridge down that connects two cards, and we have to fill that space in later. There's campfires that let us take a card from a lower level that we're done with. Hey, that would form the base. That's great. I need that red five now. And I've got a red campfire. I'll put the campfire down there so I can reclaim that red five and now put it on the level I'm at. And then on top of that, it comes with a few different modules that are really sharp too. It's great. Uh, Jen, I really enjoy it. Wonderful, fun, puzzly game. My number three of the month, Tranquility, The Ascent, coming on Kickstarter in June. Okay. Next up is number two, Tawantin Suyu from designer Dave Turchi. My run-through, I've already filmed it. Uh, it's just waiting for Paulo to goof check it. It'll be live probably later this week, but I'll, I'll spoil that and say, as far as I'm concerned, this is Dave Turchi's best game design to date. Or if not his best game design, my favorite of his game designs. And Dave Turchi is definitely a very well-established designer that is super popular, has a whole string of hits. Probably most people's favorite is Anachrony, which I'll agree is a brilliant game. But Tawansin Suyu... Oh, this so takes it to the next level. Uh, this is a game where, we're again, we're doing worker placement... Um, and uh, we're, we we have this ginormous board full of worker placement spots. And um, every worker placement spot where we put a worker gives us access to three different actions. So it's this really interesting puzzle, much deeper than the worker placement you see otherwise, especially because, hey, if I've got a red worker, I want to put them next to other red workers because then they supplement each other. Um, so as players put more workers on the board, we are incentivized to you know kind of join suit. But uh, depending on where my high priest is at the top, at the middle of the board, at the top of the temple, it can be more or less expensive for me to go to different places. So just that in and of itself is cool. But then on top of that, at any given time, you've got a handful of cards that have symbols on them that say, oh, if I play this card, I can go to these particular worker placement spots. And then the card is gone. 
And so that extra level, okay, man, that is the place I want to go to, but I can't because I could only go to spirals and diamond spaces right now. Okay, are there any good spiral? Oh, there's a great diamond space over there, but I'd have to give up like six potatoes to get all the way over there. Um, maybe I shouldn't, maybe, um, you know, but instead I can um, skip doing the worker placement and I can move my high priest. So if my high priest starts moving around the top on my next turn, I can potentially get over there, but that means um, I might not get there in time and you might grab that. Uh, it's really, really brilliant. And the only problem with it is it's almost too brilliant because it's this huge limitless board of possibilities and it's almost overwhelming. If you look at the board, you could kind of get a sense for there's just so much. And so it takes, I mean, my wife, she's prone to analysis paralysis has definitely um, put her through her paces, but at no point did she ever feel like it was too much. It just required her to really, really uh, stretch her gray matter. Um, but we thought it was brilliant. Again, my run through will be coming forward very soon. It's my number two of the month to want Suyu. Dave Turchi at his best. Well done wherever you are, Dave. Okay. But let's go on to my number one. Oh, before we get to the number one, let's just go on ahead and make sure I haven't lost all of you. Is the live stream still live and kicking? Yup, got 200 or so people on Facebook, got 20 people or so on Twitch. Still building that Twitch audience, but uh, we'll get there in time. And so, yep, everything's good. Thank you, Temple Do Meeple, for uh, keeping me on the straight and narrow. Okay, folks, you've waited long enough. Let's get to the number one game of the month. The creme de la creme. I genuinely don't remember. I'm trying to remember, but I don't. So let's just get to it. It's, oh, of course, it's the loop. The loop is so amazing. I cannot put into words how good this is. Here's the deal. Uh, it's a cooperative game, uh, kind of in the pandemic mold. There's firefighting all throughout time as these evil agents appear in different time uh, zones, you know, era of antiquities, medieval age, modern day, robot apocalypse, all kinds of stuff. And we are agents trying to stop the evil Dr. Fu from destroying the fabric of space-time, and we're running, or we we're transporting to different eras throughout history, fighting his agents, removing them, stopping the rifts in space-time from spreading, because that's how we'll actually lose, and trying to complete sabotage objectives to take Dr. Fu out. And uh, so the theme is great, the presentation is great, really love the quirky art style. Um, interestingly, like the previous game, Tuantin Suyu, when it's your turn, what you can do is defined by your hand of cards. And this is a deck builder. Over the course of the game, you'll get better and better cards. Um, but at any given time, you've got three cards in front of you. You've got to figure out um, how best to use them, because they are how you move, they're how you fight the bad guys, and they have lots of cool special powers as well. And every turn is a really wonderfully thinky puzzle of what is the best way I can use these three cards? What is the best order? You know, spending energy to move around, to get into position, um, which are the ones that will, you know, fight the fires the best? Which are the ones that will get us closest to completing the objectives? Um, where am I going to end? Because if I end in certain places, that's how I deck build, by collecting artifacts from the past. And also, what can I do to let my teammate be most effective on their turn? There's a lot of interplay between players in this. So... That's cool enough. But the other thing is these cards, each one of them has a dimensional aspect, whether they're from the spiral dimension or the star dimension or the flat dimension or whether they're a black hole. 
after I've played my cards, if I have energy available to me, which is a resource that appears in the world, I can spend that energy, instead of moving around, I can spend it to trigger a time loop, which basically means I can untap cards. And I can untap all the cards of one dimension. And that becomes a very interesting deck-building challenge, because the more spirals or star cards you have in your deck, the more likely you are that when you do a loop, that you could untap two or even three cards at once. And then suddenly, a turn where you only play three cards becomes a turn where you play six cards. Or if you can afford a second loop, you could do nine cards worth of stuff. And those combo chains that can that can, can develop out of that are just amazing. Here's the deal. When I... Um uh, you know, when I was doing my run-through, my run-through will be coming um, maybe by this weekend. Uh, I filmed it again. It's just waiting for Paulo to goof-check it. So you'll get to see firsthand. The game has so much variety. Five different playable characters, four different game modes, tons of cool stuff. But the, the core puzzle is just so good. But I went and looked at my rank.rado.com and just like searched by uh, cooperative games. This is my highest-ranked cooperative game to have come out since 2017. In 2017, the world gave us Gloomhaven. And here we are in 2021, and the next best co-op game to come out since then in what? Uh, oh, oh, we're coming up on five years. In the last five years, The Loop comes in at the top. It's that good. Um, I, I cannot stress enough how amazing it is. My wife, Jen, agrees. Um, it, uh, if you watch my recent live stream on Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube, I included it as my number three game of the year 2020. It's going to be going wide uh, this year. Uh, rep- it's been picked up for wider distribution by Pandasaurus Games. It's it's If you like cooperative games, if you like a quirky sense of humor, and if you like surprising, puzzly depth um, that you wouldn't expect, uh, the, you might want to check out The Loop. Oh my goodness, I love it so much. And that was it, folks. That was my number one game of the month. And phew, oh man... Summer is here. Uh, yesterday, it was 90 degrees in the shade outside, and the air conditioning is not turned on. I don't know why that is, so I am sweating up a storm. But uh, thanks for sticking with me this long. Now, if you folks would like to do some q and I'll be getting to that. And if you were just here for the roundup, uh, then we are done. Thanks very much for watching. And also, I want to give a big thanks to Fun Again Games for supporting the show, as always. And um, now that I've got my bookkeeping done, hi there. Do you have any questions? If so, I've got answers. Let me pull up the chatometer, the little chat program that uh, comes from, uh, what's it? Restream, which is a service I'm using to stream on all these platforms. I need to turn on my chat. There we go. And, okay, I have scrolled back up to... An hour ago. That's as high as I can go. And the first question is from the Beard Gamer, who asks... Let's see, can you guys see this? Is it on the screen? Yes, it is. Beard Gamer says, How do I compare... Oops. Wait, what, what just happened? Oh, no! Ah! It was the last one, and it just scrolled off the screen! No! Beard Gamer! Beard Gamer. As I recall, he was asking words. I better go because you guys are, can even ask more questions. So I'm right at the edge. I got to catch up. I got to get ahead of you. Got to get ahead of the curve. Anyway, he was asking if I've got two games that are really very similar, how do I rate them? How do I rank them? What's my thought process? And that's a good question. I don't really have a good answer. Um, I really, whenever I'm ranking games, there's a couple ways I try to do it, especially when it gets tough and I, they're very close to each other because they're so similar. It's the simplest level is I just have to ask myself, well, okay. Um, imagine a week from now, I can do whatever I want. These two games pop onto my table. Which one would I rather play? 
It's really, that's the main thing it comes down to. That's just a really simple, concrete way. And now, that's not necessarily always fair, because of course, well, maybe I want to play this one more than this because I played a lot more. I try to correct for those variables. I try to imagine, okay, a year from now, I've played both of these games 20 times, and then I haven't played them for six months. And somebody say, hey, do you want to play X or Y? Which one am I going to play? So that's kind of what I do when I've got two games of similar genre or setting or, or gameplay mechanism or what have you. That's kind of how it goes, Beard. Uh, if, in fact, that was your question. Sorry it disappeared. i got to speed up. All righty. Oh, yeah, here's why I said, oh, I want to answer your question, buddy, but it'll take a while to get there. Okay. So I am just going to be looking for question marks, which I don't imagine there will be many because people were just checking. Oh, this is when we were doing the Shea stuff. So I was actually, I mean, you can see I'm popping up. This was me responding to people while Shay was talking because uh, Shay did all the heavy lifting for a bit. So I need to scroll past all this anyway and get to where... Um, I wasn't paying attention to the chat when I started talking myself. Let's see. So these blue ones are me, published by Restream IO. Whenever I post here, it goes to all three streams, which is so cool. All right. Hey, gang. I think uh, Kabuki had just showed up right when I switched over. And so let's go on ahead and... Hey, congratulations. I've received 100 messages with this Restream chat. Hooray. I don't know why I would care about that. I'm just happy to answer questions. And now I'm going to start looking because... Oh, yeah. There I am, role player. So, okay. We are definitely in me talking about game stuff. So, a lot of people love role player, as do I, as I said. Okay. 5.9 on BGG. Oh, uh, wow. Which, which game was that? Um... Oh, that's Adlung Land, I bet. I bet you that was Adlung Land. Yeah, it's maybe other people had the same problem with the end game. Um, because man, that end game needs some cleanup, but the rest of the game is surprisingly good. Alrighty. Uh yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's a ten-year-old game. It definitely Adlung Land had a kind of older classic feel almost. Alright, different structure, different folks. Oh yeah, and that'd be the switch between me and initiative. I maybe I'm wrong. Um but I, if I recall correctly, I think when we did our top 10, I asked Shay, did you play it as a two-player? And he agreed that, yeah, it's less than ideal at two-player. So, um, and I would love, I would love to play it right now uh, at a higher player count, because that's when it's really going to come to life. But the storytelling in the game is so wonderful. Um, right. Did the initiative seem like Redacted? Can't remember much about that. Oh, no, no, no. They're very different games. Redacted... Uh, was one, it was a competitive game by default. I think there was a co-op mode in it, but it was really a competitive game where we were sneaking around, trying to intuit what other players were doing. Um, and really, they just have the concept of redacted information in the title. That's you know, But they, they couldn't be much different, Jay. Okay, Corey Kanitsia. Uh, did I say Kanitsia? Not Corey Kanitsia. Corey... Oh, now all I can think of is Corey Kanitsia. Oh, man. I'm sorry, Corey. Corey, who is one of the most prolific and successful board game designers in history, because he was basically the creative director of Fantasy Flight Games for years. Corey Kinetsia. Corey Kinetsia. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Um, yeah. Not, not, not a relative of Reiner. Corey Kinetsia. Uh, who recently left... Uh, Fantasy Flight to do his own, um, you know, his own development house, and this was his first game, and it's a great game. I just wish the the two player. I mean, as always, I just want more for the two player gamers out there, or, because that's who I am. Okay, hello, um, Hawthorne Poetry. I'm glad you're able to catch me. All right, I uh, love the grizzled. Just happy to hear thoughts. Yeah, um, yeah. It's hard to say if you have the grizzled and you love the grizzled. Should you try out the We Care? I mean, I'm really happy I did, um, and I and I and I, I really enjoyed it. But again. I think its main use, aside from, hey, you know, giving to charity if you buy it, is 
it's 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 going to be an easier game to get to the table. People are not going to be oh we're we're doctors and nurses trying to save people. Yes, okay, I'm definitely down to that. Oh, we're people who are trying not to die and avoid mustard gas in in, in World War One. Yeah, I don't know if I want to play that. So I think it it, it really. You know that's a big strength to it, and then once you do get more novice level players, it's just easier to play and make smart decisions. Um, And it's it's so much more thematic as well. All righty, Corey Kanetsia, there you go. Which I'm sure I'm still saying wrong. I mean, look at that. How you uh, K O N I E C Z K A, Corey Kanetska. I'm sure, uh, Corey. I apologize for getting your name wrong, but um, congratulations on the initiative. It is, it's, I'm I'm sure, I don't know if you watched my run through, but it, not that you're watching now, but, oh man, the storytelling in that game was, was magical. I so appreciate some of the stuff you did there. Okay. Uh, Oh, Ignacy Trevcheck. And hopefully I got Ignacy right there. That's relatively close, I think, Trevcheck. All righty. If you just say it fast with confidence, you'll get through. All right. Uh, where are there not be a dead puppy card? There are no dead puppy cards. Vengeance this weekend. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, in the game, it never tells you how they wronged you in Vengeance. You, you have to decide for yourself. Uh, that happened in the past, and um, now you're just uh, there to kick, uh, kick butt and take names. Okay. Oh, the rolls were terrible. Well, in the roll and write, you can keep re-rolling until you get the ones you like, if you're fast. Okay, cartoon violence is easier to handle. Yep, yep, yep. Mangosteens! Uh, model greens. Yeah, I looked up what mangosteens were after I after we played the game, because neither Jen nor I had ever heard of them, and they do look delicious. I agree, Kabuki. Lines of Lydia is great. I agree, Mon Cap. All righty. And, um, oh, all right, it's already out in stores. What was that referring? Oh, I forget what it was. Because, of course, I'm looking at stuff from 15 minutes ago. I'm in the past, whereas you were all in the present. I'm trying to catch up with you. Alright. Paperback Adventures only a four. Excited for what comes after. Yes, good stuff. But oh man, Paperback Adventures. Um, you know, often publishers don't send me final versions. I cover the prototype. Uh, you know, we play it, we send the prototype on in the mail to other reviewers, and then I never get a chance to play the game again. Paperback Adventures is one I would definitely like to own. Definitely. So good. Tranquility is. It is beautiful. I should have spe- uh, mentioned, this is actually a sequel to a previous game called Tranquility, which was also beautiful as well. It's really wonderful, puzzly fun. Great replayability with uh, the different modules. There's goats you can herd up the mountain. that You uh, can be tasked to create a path so that a hiker can make it all the way up the mountain. And there was a third one as well. Oh, uh, objectives where you have... Not only do you have to just play cards smartly to avoid cost, but you have to play them... You have to play like... You have to somewhere on the mountain have a 12, an 11, and then a 12 again in succession. And if you don't hit those little goals, it get, you, know, you, you fail as well. Really sharp. A really impressive game. Tranquility on BGA liked it a lot. Uh, yeah, great gift. Um, right, and you know, and this is this is basically the same idea of Tranquility, but really kind of constrains you more because in the original Tranquility, where you were just trying to make an archipelago, you could put the cards wherever you wanted, so you had a little bit more freedom. Now you have to play from left to right and working your way up, so it feels more like you're actually building something real and concrete and mountainous. Okay, Twanton to you. Uh, right. Well, try it again, Black Sheep. Uh, hopefully you'll never disappoint, because I think it's fantastic. Yep, as Beardy Beard Gamer says, the analysis paralysis is strong with Twanton to you, but in a good way. Um, and uh, oh, that's true too. It's it's a it is a table hog, make no mistake. Big, big board. And then um, all the players' stuff doesn't take up a lot of space, if I recall correctly. Well, actually, you could. If you do a lot of tapestries, your area might get full too. Never heard of the loop, uh Damas. Dam- uh, uh, Damazumari, you well. If you like co-op, I cannot recommend it enough. Okay, 
Uh, yeah, it's very colorful, like Hadara. All uh, right. Wow, so many people have Well, actually, I guess that's not a surprise. It's weird. I actually, they, the Catch Up Games, the original European publisher, sent it to me last year. And I looked at it like, oh, I'll get around to it. But my voters voted it down, so they weren't very enthusiastic. And I admit, I wasn't very enthusiastic about it either. I really regret that, because if I had played it last year, I would have made my original top 10 in uh, Christmas time. But making up for la- lost time, it is really the best co op game I've played in years. Okay, and, and and yes, Kabuki Kid, the run-through will be coming very soon. I played with the two simplest characters in terms of their special powers, but with the most complex game mode where um, Dr. Fu uh, basically had extra plots that you had to thwart. So I think it had a really nice variety of stuff. And I messed up my final thoughts so bad, which you will see. Uh, my final thoughts for The Loop will be very badly dubbed, but very passionate and enthusiastic. Okay. Okay, Beard Gamer, if you don't like co-op, the loop is not for you. But if you do, you gotta do it. When is the loop playthrough online? It should be by this weekend. I think the next one, either tomorrow or the day after. It really depends on um, Paulo. Paulo actually took the weekend off. So he's a little behind. I think he's got three or four games in the queue that he has to goof check before I will make the videos live. Although, if you always don't, if you don't want to wait for that, you can always head over to patreon.rado.com uh, because backers at a certain level get to see my videos early, ad-free, while they're waiting for Paulo to do the goof checking. But it'll be it'll be here presumably by the weekend, I would think, if all goes to plan. All right, the loop is great. Um, oh, right, okay. Uh, Alexandra, Alexandra, Alexandra agrees. Damn, not activated the clip option. Um, you know, as I'm interested about the clip option. I'm not quite sure what to do about that. Because I don't have any control over that. And what I'd be worried about is people using it to basically make quotes and share them that are very easy to take out of context. And I know, for the most part, that the clips is just, oh, when I make a funny face or I I do a little dance something, people like to make clips and share them and all that. I don't know. I'm still new to the Twitch thing, I and mean, I'm a little nervous because I've been doing my show for 10 years, and the, the thousands of times that I have had people quote me out of context... And just say, oh, Rado said this. I never said that. Or if you watch the video, you'll see that's not what I meant. To actually do that in video form, where people can make just little five-second clips that make me sound really bad, when in fact, oh, if you just listen to the rest of the... Uh, that's, that's why I'm, I'm a little nervous about it. But I'm nervous about everything about Twitch. I'm still learning my way around. Uh, thank you, Frazier. I am very happy. It was a good month. Uh, what's Loop compared to? Well, I mean, it's, it is... Um, another way I, I ranked it, was Pandemic is my number one Pandemic-style game. Um, Forbidden Desert is my number two, also from Matt Leacock. And then The Loop is my number three. So it beats all the other Pandemic-inspired games that are out there. Uh, it's, it's, just, it's just that good. Tranquility Ascent compared to the first one. I think I like The Ascent better than Tranquility because I'm a player who responds more to really tight constrictions. Uh, like I said, the uh, the original Tranquility, you were building a grid. What was it? 5x5 five five or 6x6? Six six, and you could put the cards wherever, and you still had to pay attention to you know trying to create ascending numbers. But now that you have to play left to right, working your way up, but you get those very cool powers that let you m- uh, manipulate stuff that's already been done. I mean, and, and Tranquility had stuff like that as well. Plus, I believe if you back it on Kickstarter, you're going to get a little promo pack that also gives everybody a special power they can use during the play. Uh, Jen was especially fond of the St. Bernard, who was a real lifesaver. Um, and, and also, the run-through I did, uh, you saw when I was talking about it, that was the solo mode. The solo mode is great. Really good puzzle. Um, I failed in that little video I filmed uh, and then played at double speed. Uh, but yeah, really good stuff. So if I had to pick... 
I mean, honestly, if you like one, you will like the other. And I imagine it's going to come in that same super tiny little square box size, I assume. So uh, there's no reason not to have both, quite frankly. But if I had to pick one, I would probably go for the Ascent because I like the tighter, um, tougher puzzle. Alrighty. Um, yeah, Mike Delisio, that's right. I believe Mike Delisio was the only one, or one of very few people, who were ahead of the curves, uh, you know, shouting the praises of the loop. Um, I'm late to the party, but I'm going to shout louder than anybody. It's amazing. Um, right. Howdy. I deleted it. What did I delete, Monica? I don't know, but it was a smiley face, so it couldn't have been too bad. What would I consider doing even more live playthroughs? One of the reasons I'm here right now is because for the for the last three or four or five years, uh, every month, Jen and I would do live playthroughs. For a year, we it looked like we took a year off from doing it, but that was just we were doing them for our Patreon backers only. And then after a year of that, we went back to doing them publicly. You can find all the public ones at live.rado.com. And here's the thing. I mean, Jen just... The, the pressure she was under, she just was not having a good time. So she said, hey, do we have to keep doing this? And I'm like, no, honey pie, that's okay. If you're, if, you're, if you're getting to the point where you're really not having fun, I'm sure nobody would want you to do it if you're not having fun. So we stopped doing it. I'm like, okay, well, I got to do something live. But I don't have my partner to play with now because uh, uh, we agreed she doesn't have to do it anymore. So I thought, okay, well, hey, how about occasional top tens? How about roundups every month? Um, maybe I'll do more stuff. I don't know. I'm still trying to find my way around. The thing is, time I'm spending filming stuff live is time I'm not actually playing games so I can do my main job, which is evaluating games and running through them um, so that people can decide if it's worth picking them up. So I'm a little hesitant, but, you know, We'll see how things advance. Also, another thing I want to do, um, you know, I mean, heck, we had Shay right at the beginning of this. Um, you know, and, and occasionally Ryan uh, does a really great rules run through for the channel. I am in the process of talking to other people who might be able to do some live content for the channel as well. Way too early to say, but you know, there are some other folks out there who have been working for quite a while. Uh, you know, building up their own audiences, making really great content. Um, and I'm like, well, I really like what you do. Would you like to come on and maybe do this or that or the other? So we'll see how that kind of stuff evolves. Um, in, you know, and maybe we'll even start to see some of it this month because otherwise I'm not, I mean, I'm going to, if, if I'll have to check the run through, run around up afterwards, cause this is really weird. Every time, here's a weird thing between you and me, whoever's watching, every time I do a live event, I lose subscribers on YouTube. I've never understood that. You know, I mean, they're watched by thousands of people and it seems like there's nothing but positivity and everybody's really happy and enjoying it. And yet after I'm done, I'm like, oh, I lost five subscribers on that. Or I net lost five. You know, obviously I bring in a lot, but I don't know. It's, it's always been this one particular metric that tells me the audience as a whole isn't interested in seeing me live. So it's very, very strange. Um... I mean, fortunately, uh, I, I don't know. It, it's it's odd. The whole thing is odd, and I have to. Admit, I've never really spent much time studying how to maximize my return and and get the most likes. I've always hated the idea of saying, "Hey, everybody, be sure to like and subscribe." Oh, I mean, you'll notice I have actually. Let's see if I do this. I have put that little subscribe thing. That's it. Because I'm, I'm trying not to be too terribly obnoxious about stuff. Um, I mean, I, I just want to put the stuff out there, and if people like it, great. So, sorry, I'm I'm just really just kind of blathering around now. Uh, let's just move on to the next question, which was from uh, Damon. Have I had a sip of water? I always say my throat is on fire in high energy videos. My water is right here, and I'm actually really kind of self conscious about it now because after the live video I did last week where we we're doing the top uh, 2020, 
Paulo, the guy who goof checks my videos, he didn't watch it, but he listened to it in the background. And he said, the, the mic picks up that sound very well, because the mic is literally right here. And it, it was kind of like, oh, like nails on chalkboard for him. And so I said, okay, okay, I'll get a different um, method for drinking water that doesn't have a sippy straw on it. But I forgot to do it this morning. So, uh, in deference to Paulo, um, and maybe other folks who maybe, I don't know, you folks tell me. How's that sound? Um, but uh, so, no, I, I've been, uh, th- thank you for giving me the chance to, uh, to get going again. Actually, although my throat's doing pretty well today. I, I feel a little bit, but not too bad. Somebody actually suggested a really good line of tea, which I wrote down and told Jen. So I might be looking into that in the future too. What's my guess on how long the Q&A session will be today? Jason, Um, it depends on how many questions are asked. I'm going to try and make good time though. Have you seen the... Love to see Arado Twitch emote. Yeah, I don't know what any of that stuff is. I mean, I don't know. I don't even think I can do that stuff, right? Until I become an affiliate or whatever. I'm not really quite sure. I would love to see a little animated version of The Running Man though that Jen made 10 years ago. I mean, we had no idea. Or no, it was eight years ago because I started doing the run-throughs or the channel without any kind of real strategy. And then when I started to take it seriously, I said, honey, I need a logo. And she sat down and did that logo in freehand in about a half an hour. And that's my logo all this time. And it's as people have over the years sent in cooler, neater, wonderful versions of it, but I I can't change it. It's so near and dear to my heart. I love it. Even if Jen just banged it out in like less than 30 minutes. Um, But I, I would love to see that animated. Alrighty. Hi, Armor Sword. Any thought on the trend Seeing with Kickstarter projects where the base entry point being $100, do you think that's a benefit to the board gaming community with tons of high-quality product or detriment to new uh, uh, all the new comers who are joining the hobby? I don't, uh, board games are expensive. They make no, and they always have been. And I don't know. I guess my feeling is if it's too rich for your blood, that's okay. There are so many games. You don't have to chase after all the Kickstarter hotness. There are so many wonderful games that are in the you know the sub twenty or sub thirty category. And um, yeah, if if a hundred bucks is too rich for your blood, s- skip it and uh, wait a few years. And after all the you know the hype is dropped down, you're probably able to get it for you know. 30 or 40 or 50% off. Chances are, when I first started doing, uh, when I first got into board gaming hardcore, uh, a lot of the games I would play, I was not buying new because Board Game Geek makes it so easy to trade games. Now, not near enough people to use that. Okay, I got this game. I didn't like it. I'll put it up for trade. You can do a little search that um, combine, you know, because you can mark games that you want in trade. You can mark games that you um, have for trade. You can push a button and it will, and Board Game Geek will tell you every single person in the world that has a meaningful trade. That, hey, if I send you this, you can send me that because I've got what you want. You've got what I want. I did that, that trading tool so much. The trade match tool is amazing and most people don't even know it's there. So, that's kind of the way I look at it. Probably 80% of all the games I was playing in my first year of gaming were gotten through trades. And yeah, a, a new hot game that costs 100 bucks. If, if that's outside of your comfort zone, don't worry about it. You'll be able to get the game in a few years. Um, is the way I think of it. You know, and you know, chances are you'll have three or four other games that you don't like that you can trade for that big ticket item. But yeah, I, 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 also my other thought is. Inflation is a thing. Things do get more expensive over time. And we are seeing that happen in the board game industry. I mean, I almost wonder if, if uh, prices were maybe a little 
artificially kept down and they're kind of bopping up. I have to admit, I don't really have any direct knowledge of cost of goods or any of that kind of stuff. But, you know, I mean, the market will bear what it will bear. If, uh, if they charge 100 bucks and people come and buy it at 100 bucks, I guess that means they charge the right price. So that's kind of where I stand at it. And just, I know it's ridiculous coming from me, but, you know, don't fall for the fear of missing out. Don't worry about the FOMO. There are so many other games. In the 10 years I've been doing this channel, I've covered over 1,500 games. And almost every single one of them I thought was a great game. So go get one of those other 1,499 games if you can't afford the new one. That's kind of the way I look at it. I saw your review of Fleet. The dice game looks interesting, but very hard to get a hold of. Well, that's kind of the exact opposite of what I just said. Is it? Is there another good roll and write you would recommend that's a thinky? Um, actually, yes. Uh, almost the heir apparent to Fleet the Dice Game is Hadrian's Wall, which just came out, I think, in the last month or two. Hadrian's Wall takes it to an 11. Fleet the Dice Game, at one point, was the heaviest, crunchiest roll and write on the market. Hadrian's Wall does a lot of the same stuff set in, you know, um, uh, ancient Brit Roman controlled Britannia. And uh, yeah, if, if what you were looking for in Fleet Dice Game, you will get to an 11 in Hadrian's Wall. Although, that makes me curious. How hard is it to get Fleet the Dice Game? I am going to... I just did a search for it on Board Game Geek. Go on ahead and minimize that. And let's go on ahead and jump over there to the browser view. Fleet the Dice Game. So if we were to check it out... Come on, you. We'll think about it. The, um, all right, so there are people selling it on Board Game. Four people selling on Board Game Geek. Um, one for thirty-five euros, fifty pounds, sixty pounds, and um, thirty-five dollars. So if you're in Europe or you're in America or you're in what is that? What flag is that? I'm not quite sure what flag that is. I, I'm a, I, it's very small. I can't quite make it out. You can get a used copy pretty quick and cheap. Also, out of curiosity, how many people? Um, let's see. 421 people wanted in trade. 30 people are trying to trade away their copy. This one went up eight days ago, 10 days ago, five days ago. Here's a whole bunch of people who would be willing to trade you. Um, what was it, Jeffrey? For I, I guarantee you, Jeffrey, you probably have a game or two that you're not interested in. And if you were to go to BoardGameGeek, add it to your collection, mark it as for trade, then what you do is... Where is it? I haven't done it for a long time. Um, you go to your, your name, you go to Trades... And um, then you say, tell me about my direct matches. Now, I don't have anything for trade anymore because I haven't done it for a while. But if you push that button, it'll tell you. And, and, or you can do a custom search where um, you know, you got, hey, here's all the things I want. Here's all the things I'm trading. Here's the people I will be willing to trade. I'll be able to, I'll trade with anybody in the United Armed Forces Americas, which uh, you know, is kind of an interesting thing, or anybody in Virginia, or anybody just in... Um, in the United States or the United Kingdom. I will only trade within the United Kingdom. You can say, I want these games uh, that I want. Here's the games I'm willing to give away. Tell me about it. Search. You will find somebody. I mean, because there's 30 people out there that have games they want. They are ready to trade with you, Alex. So that was just a quick little introduction to a feature that most people don't know about Board Game Geek. That is absolutely awesome. Okay, let's continue. Have I played the game, says uh, uh, Dragon Corn Games... Acquire from the 60s. Yeah, from Sid Saxon. No, I have not. It's definitely one I would like to play someday. No two ways about it. Um, but I've never saw it out because, as is so often the case for older games, doesn't support two players. So not interested. But yeah, I mean, that's definitely one that I would play at a convention if I ever had the chance to. Same for sale. Um, Your Reiner Canizia's classic, which again, does not support two players. All righty. 
Discovery lands unknown says so very wrong about games. Or, was that just like an internal grimace? <laughs> like uh, when uh, Sideshow Bob hits his face with a rake and you're just saying Discovery lands unknowns? Um, yeah. I never played it. I really would like to play it. But I, I heard... And obviously you're talking to somebody else about something. Alrighty. But oh, hey! Hey, Micro Mark. Good to see you guys. I still love everything you do. I still stand by the closest thing the industry has to real critics as opposed to reviewers like me. Alrighty. Everybody should check out So Very Wrong About Games, the podcast. Great stuff. Okay. If you like me, you'll like them. Hey, Rado, any thoughts about the new space game by Wallace? Do you mean Rocketman? If you mean Rocketman, I covered it when it was on Kickstarter last year, so you can check that out. If you mean something else, I don't know what it is. Alrighty. Meant to ask last stream. Uh, what are my thoughts on Demeter? It made Suzanne Sheldon's top 10 games, and they just announced it, Demeter 2. My assumption is, Demeter probably does not support two players, because I literally don't know what you're talking about. Let's go find out and see if I'm right. Why do I not know what Demeter is? D-E-M-E-T-E-R. Demeter, 2020, unveiling... Um, oh, that's on and zoom in so you guys can see it a bit better. That would be smart. All right, no. So it's a roll and right. Unveiling the secret Demeter from Science from Ganymede... Uh, re-implemented by Varuna. So it's... All right. Sorry we are French. Well, I know nothing about this game. Oh, so it's a Roland Wright. And that's why you're mentioning because Suzanne Sheldon is the patron saint of Roland Wrights in our industry with good reason. She's a sharp lady and she loves to roll and she loves to write even more. Well, that looks adorable. I don't understand. Why? Is there some take that cutthroatness? No. Scientists, uh, ships, can read... I'm embarrassed. I've just completely missed this somehow. Because that all sounds very interesting. Subscribe, add to wish list, boom. If, and Suzanne loves it that much, I have to try it out. Because I trust her I, I trust her implicitly, her taste. She has not steered me wrong in the past. So, it just went on my wish list. In fact, because she says it's so strong, I'm almost inclined to put love to have it, but I'll leave like, because I really should do some more research. So, thank you for the heads up. I have, I'm shocked. How did I miss that? How? How? Okay. What game have we been playing the most this year? Well, I'm always playing er, Marvel Champions because I play it every month because new expansions come out. And that's how... Let's see. I'm just going to take this off. I don't know if that makes the same amount of noise. But uh, it's always Marvel Champions for me because I love it so much. In spite of the fact that I'm, I'm kind of starting to fall out of love a little bit. But still, I love it on the whole. And um, let's see. Prior to that... Uh, Jaws of the Lion, we played that quite a bit when I was covering it. And uh, a Sleeping Gods, we played a fair bit. I mean, it's generally going to be games that have uh, campaigns, so I need to play it a little bit more than the average game because if new stuff gets unlocked. Uh, next month, or this month, I'll probably be playing a lot of Etherfields because I'm going to try and cover it. I covered it, it was on Kickstarter, but I understand it changed quite a bit. So, But nothing really stands out other than Marvel Champions, probably. Okay, because again, uh, Jason Wayne, you, uh, Spiker, Spiker, you know that I never get a chance to go back and play stuff we've already filmed. Alrighty. Sailor Momo, hope you're well. What are my thoughts on Mosaic? Here's the deal. I was this close. You know, the publisher contacted us, and we had to decide, okay, my understanding is Shea, Shea was all over it. And, you know, I, I, I could tell, reading the rule book. That it was going to be a really great design, a really great Civ design with a you know, very small focus on military. And the thing that talked me out of it was um, that Glenn Drover, 
the designer, posted on BoardGameGeek. Somebody posted a thread. You can go find it. So, you know, go to Mosaic's forum. Uh, is this game going to be too mean or something like that? And Glenn said, no, it's not too mean. And, you know, he talked at great length about how the military works and, and all of that. And it, he almost talked me into it. But then he, he, he did a follow-up where he said, yes, yeah, there are some cards where you steal stuff straight. And I'm like, okay, you're out. I'm out. I'm out. Because I knew Shay wanted to cover it anyway. And I honestly, I am always looking for reasons to pass on games because there's just too many of them coming in. And so Glenn kind of gave me permission to say no. Because even if the combat isn't too bad, the last thing in the world I want to do is steal Jen's stuff. That's just an anathema to me. So that's kind of why I passed on it. But it looks really good. Um, do I think having tiles instead of minis will affect how easy the board is to read? I don't think so. If you watched, if you were, uh, uh, Shay did mention in the uh, in his portion of the roundup that they have already talked about how they are going to be changing the look of the board a little bit to make sure that the game elements pop. Haven't seen that, but I'm you know, I'm relatively confident they'll be able to pull it off. Um, I'm sure miniatures would be nice too, but um, I'm I'm always happy with tiles myself. Alrighty, uh, highly recommend to become a Patreon subscriber. Well, thank you, Dragon Chord Games. Actually, I felt kind of cheesy even saying that earlier. I was like, oh, this makes me die a little bit inside asking people for money. But I really do try to ensure that people who actually support my show um, get really good content. If you back at the $1 level, you get to vote every month in what games um, we are, are, are going to be covered by the show. And you get a Rotto Runs Through Micro Badge on Board Game Geek. If you back at the $2 level, you get um, my exclusive Rambler video, where every month I do I cover a new topic. It's kind of like a video log, and normally they're about an hour, sometimes two hours, I mean, covering all kinds of game stuff. You back at the $3 level, and oh, I don't remember now. But if you just go to patreon.com slash, you see, yeah, I'm, I'm really not prepared to do the sales pitch. Uh, I think it's when you get to the $5 level that you get, um, or is it the $3 level where you get to see stuff early? There's something at $3, and then there's something at $5, and then at $10, and so on. But anyway, go to patreon.com slash rotto if you're interested. I really work hard to make sure that folks who support my show um, are getting real value for their money. I'm not, I, you know, I, I don't want them to feel like, oh, well, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, a lot of them back me just because they're fans of the show and they want to give back, and I'm ever appreciative of that. But still, I want them to get real value for money. So, um, bah, 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 bah. and I offer, because um, on Patreon you can back me a monthly, or you can just do a one-time yearly subscription. And if you do that, you get 8% off, which is basically like getting one month for free. So there's that. Okay, I, I was able to pull a sales pitch out of there after all. Okay, long time uh, Brandon says... Uh, have I played Adventure Tactics yet? If no, no. No, um, it looks really nice, but why would I play it if I can play Gloomhaven? And, uh, so it wasn't really for me and Jen. Um, that's often a problem. It, it's, you know, when Fro Frosthaven's on the way, I'd rather be playing, um, Jaws of the Lion at any given time or almost anything else. So anything that's in the same milieu is always going to be tough for me to chase after because Gloomhaven is so good. Uh, how often do I play Wonderful World? Uh, right there. I play it every time there's a new expansion for me to cover. That's how often I play everything. Everything on this shelf is gathering dust because I've already filmed them. And uh, in the next room over, there's anywhere from 50 to 100 games that are in my queue waiting to be played and filmed. So I very rarely get to go back. I would love to. but um, And in fact, I, I do want to. I, I've got the uh, Corruption. I think it's the Corruption expansion, and I really do want to get that play. I might be doing that this month or the next month, because I because I just love the game itself so much. Uh, um, but yeah, I really don't get to replay much of anything. Andrew says, the wife and I like Flip and Rollin' Rights. 
Metro X, Silver, and Gold. Oh, oh, the flipping right style. Okay. Any newer game suggestions for two? Love your channel. Well, I, I mentioned, um, uh, what did I just mention? Um, Hadrian's Wall. Hadrian's Wall is phenomenal. Interestingly, a whole bunch just showed up in the mail. Doodle Dungeon, and uh, I can't think of all of them. So we're going to be trying to play, uh, one, one was Drawn to Adventure was another one. So even though the the Rotto runs through voters, let's see, what did the Rotto run through voters? Let me go on ahead and pull that up. So, in case people were wondering, well, what are you talking about? Rotto voting and whatnot. Let's see. Oh, we've got to bring back the browser. So, every month I do a, uh, a ballot. So, backers of the show, um, you know, get to vote. And your vote carries more weight the higher you back at and stuff like that. So, this month we'll be covering Brew and Imperium Legends and Botanic. And Raja of the Ganges just missed it because people get to choose the first three games. So, there is a roll and write that I hear is very good. Um, I see. Oh wow, Stone Age 10th anniversary did much better than I thought. Drawn to Adventure, that looks pretty cool. Which stone? I was really looking forward to this, but the voters said no. It goes down. Um, my farm shop. Oh, yeah, Doodle Dungeon. I thought there was another one on here. I guess not. But anyway, so this was the results of oh nobody wants to play Sheepy Time, and that's really a bummer because I might go on ahead and play this one anyway, and because. Um, every month, the Patreon backers, at the, at the back of the level I've got, I cover six retail games, plus whatever Kickstarters come in. And then I do a couple of backer-only run-throughs that I talk about in the roundup. And then, Jen, I play other stuff, too, that gets talked about in the roundup. Sheepy Time, I might play that this month anyway, because AEG has been on such a tear lately. They can do no wrong, in my opinion. But I don't blame them. I mean, this is not the most attractive uh, uh, game under the, under the sun. But, uh, yeah... I'm sure Roger the Ganges is great. And it, it did enough that I'll probably play it anyway, but maybe not get it filmed. Because again, the voters pick the top three things are things that will definitely get filmed this month. So that's coming. And also, uh, for new folks, if you're ever wondering, just go to comingsoon.rotto.com and it will take you to, uh, at the beginning, the first day of every month, I post, here's what I'm planning on filming in the month of June. If you continue reading, you will see, hey, there's Adventure Tax. Oh, that literally just went live today. Botanic, Brew, Devil May Cry, because a high-level Patreon backer requested that I cover that. Uh, Ryan will be back for Dungeon and Kingdom. Etherfields, I really want to put a lot of time into that this month with Jen. Far Away, Shay's going to be covering it. Fort, um, wait a minute. Oh, that's wrong. No, that's right. I filmed Fort, but it hasn't gone long. That's the third one, right. I've got three games in the queue that I'm waiting for Apollo. Fort, and Tawansin Suyu, and The Loop. All right. Uh, Imperium, and probably what I'll do is I'll we'll probably have Classic versus Legends, or was it Classic versus or whichever, you know, because there's the two different boxes. Mercado de Lisboa, Too Many Bones, Shay's going to be covering that, Tranquility the Ascent, um, and then Wild Ascent. Uh, so that's right now. Always subject to change, but if you're wondering what's coming, always just go to comingsoon.rado.com. Anyway, back to me. Back to DeFroggen. All right. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, clips are pretty great. They have a button on them that links... Oh! I didn't realize that. So if you're looking at a clip, then you can just click. So you don't... Oh! Thank you, Fraser. I literally had no idea. Everything on Twitch is new to me. And I can delete clips. So, okay, cool, cool, cool. Good to know. Like I said, I was just I was a little nervous about it, but you have you have prompted me to look into it even more. Um, what was it that somebody wanted to clip? Did I did I make a funny sound? Did people want to clip? You know, sucking on the straw? I don't know. It still feels like it's it's kind of a thing that's designed to make you look silly. And I know I'm a, an implicitly silly person, 
but I, but I don't try to be silly. I don't know. It's weird. Uh, there's a new Tranquility. Yes, coming this month. It's great. It's even better than Tranquility, in my opinion, for my taste. Uh, I've already had my likeness in card form. Which game would I love to have my card? Oh, wow. Probably Pandemic. Oh, man. I would so love to be a playable character in Pandemic, in any Pandemic spinoff or anything. That would be amazing. And th again, that would be card form. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, you did ask for card form. Monica. Wow. I have to admit, I mean, I, I, I'm on a few. I've had Miko's done Art of Me. Oh, and I would also, I would love to see Art of Me done by Vincent Dutre as well, in whatever game that might be. That would be awesome as well. Oh, but boy, to be a playable character in Pandemic would be so amazing. All right, I'm just putting that out there into the universe. Okay. Um, I guess maybe, would that be something that people would click? Me saying, I'm putting that out there in the universe? I don't know. Also, is it less interesting to clip because I'm putting all this uh, stuff here? I don't know. I'm still learning. Alrighty. Uh, do you ever get tired of making videos? Do you wish you can just play board games and not have to worry about cranking out the videos? Ask free junk. No, not really. I'm more worried about Jen getting tired of it. Uh, it's, I have done every, I, and here's the deal. I guess I was. I was kind of getting tired. Uh, and a year ago, I, I just talked about, hey, my Patreon backers basically provide me support so that I will cover six retail games. And then on top of that, I cover whatever Kickstarter games come in. And then I do a couple of other little behind-the-scenes things, stuff like that. So on average, in an average month, I probably cover in some form 12 games, play a handful more. So it's usually 15 or 16 games that end up in the roundup. Right now, that feels like a reasonable level. I think both Jen and I are pretty comfortable with it. A year ago... It was probably more like 25 to 30 games a month I was doing. And I, I, I was getting burned out on that. I had to slow down. I had, and, you know, and that's when Shay showed up to try to you know, pick up the slack for me. Because I am not an endless font of energy like, say, Tom Vassell. I, um, I am feeling my age, unlike him. So I, I've slowed down. And you know, I might be slowing down more. But right now, I think we're pretty, both Jen and I are pretty comfortable with the volume level we're at the moment. But and and if 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 I start to feel like that's not the case, I'll just pump the brakes a little bit and uh and and shift stuff around. Alrighty, I hadn't hit the bell properly, Monica. I'm sorry, dude. I don't know what that means. I assume it's something that I missed. Maybe they got a live notification. Okay, so uh, you guys are talking about something else. All right, barely heard barely heard the sip of water. I don't know. Maybe uh maybe uh. Apollo has bat hearing. Oh, nobody heard anything, really. I was actually kind of sucking on it pretty hard, Apollo. So maybe, maybe it's just you, baby. How's my mom doing? My mom's doing very well. The best thing, or for the last month or so, my mom has been more and more often in the morning saying, hey, are you guys using the car? Because I was thinking about going down. Uh, she loves McDonald's, that syrup breakfast sandwich. She knows it's bad for her, but it, it's like her favorite thing in the world. So she's been driving down the McDonald's to get those. And there's a Walmart next door, so she does some shopping and whatnot. And while I'm not crazy about her eating the McSyrup or whatever it is, I'm so happy that she's got the gumption to get up and um, you know drive. Her favorite thing in her entire life was driving. She was a long-haul trucker for several years. She's an excellent driver. She's never had an accident in her life. And when we got here and had her move in with us, she was so literally on death's door. I mean, it was just unthinkable to her. She'd lost her confidence. And so one, it was kind of annoying because I had to drive her everywhere to all her appointments and stuff like that. But two, I just, I knew she wanted to. And so slowly over the last couple of years, she's been kind of building up and I think she's really comfortable. And you know, not for nothing, we have a Prius. So that was, that was a big, tough learning curve for her to deal with a hybrid vehicle. And it's like, is it running? It's not running. I don't hear it. No, mom, it's, it's running. If it says ready, it's running. But I don't hear it. You know, it's been, it's been fun. But on the whole, she's doing much better. Although 
Within the last week, she has started to have a big uptick in nosebleeds. So we are going to try and schedule an appointment for her to get back in to see the ear, nose, throat specialist because that had been off for quite a while. And so that's really been a problem. That's really been kind of sucking her life out of her. She suffers from HHT, which means she gets prodigious nosebleeds where she can literally lose pints of blood. Um, and it's almost killed her a few times. So, And that's really been on the decline, but it has been popping up again recently. And we really should go see uh, Dr. I. Um, see, I'm trying not to name names. I do that too much. Uh, so I'll just call her Dr. I, who, who did, who is great. And, uh, Jen, our mom hadn't wanted to because she was hesitant to because of COVID, but she's vaccinated. We're vaccinated. So now she's comfortable to do it. So we'll see how that goes. The big bad FOMO. Do I miss Essen auction trades? Yeah, those are cool. It's a pain in the butt. But it, when you're there and you're just surrounded by, you know, literally, in a, you're practically scrumming in a crowd of hundreds of people all walking around with their games held up, shouting for other people. It, it's, it's the closest thing I'll ever be to the way, you know, you know, you know that, that, that Wall Street thing of all the traders on the floor in Wall Street shouting, buy, buy, sell, sell. It's kind of like that. And it's, it's, a, one, it's, it's a one of a kind experience. I do, I, it was a pain. At the time, I always hate it when I'm doing it. But then I kind of look back on it fondly. The Essen auction trades. All righty. Uh, I forget. Did I run those? No, no. I ran the worldwide promo trades for a while. All right. Uh, rank here. Anything easy, please. All right. Three sisters. Ah, yes. Three sisters. I really wanted to cover that when it was on Kickstarter. I'm not quite sure why. I guess they just had enough people or maybe they didn't have enough copies or something like that. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, all right. Uh, thanks for the shout out. You got, you guys deserve it. You are the Bibbidi Bomb. Kind of worn out on rolling rights. Yeah, it's understandable. But, you know, take a break. They'll be there. They'll wait for you to come back. It's okay. Uh, we'll be attempting any conventions in person in 2022. The two main conventions that Jen loves to go to are Dice Tower West in Vegas and um, any of the board game geek conventions in Dallas. So if those are in the cards, you'll probably see us there. N- you never know. But um, you know that, that, those would be the ones that are most likely. Marvel Champions just came out in Germany. And oh, congratulations, Felicitas. I hope you enjoyed as much as me. Marvel Champions, who's excited for Thanos? I was until I played Guardians of the Galaxy, and that was kind of a bummer. But I'll be excited anyway. I'm just kind of cooling down a little bit on it. Raja, uh, Roland Wright is great. Uh, that's what I hear, Taven, or Tyven. Sheepy time. Yes, Morgan. I, I, I was so shocked. I mean, I, I didn't think it was going to win necessarily, but I didn't think it would come in at the bottom. Surely AEG has been on such an unbroken success string. But, yep, the voters are what the voters are. But, like I said, I might do it as a runaway anyway. Because that's one of the two uh, backers-only videos where Jen and I sit down and we play through an entire game from start to finish. I call it the runaway because it's me running away from my responsibilities and I don't cover a game that I should cover because of the voters or the publishers or anything like that. I just cover whatever I want. And I do want to play Sheepy Time. That t-shirt means a lot to me. Celebrate my train. Oh, that is fantastic, Josh. Josh! Josh Yaks! Everybody, go check out Josh Yaks on YouTube. Uh, the, the What he does is in the title. He just yaks about all kinds of stuff. Games and, um, you know, uh, science fiction books. Really wonderful fashion guy. And he did a hilarious video of me where he snipped up a bunch of stuff uh, from a from a conversation I was having and put in his own funny videos. It's it's awesome. Where he just makes it... It's, it's kind of like a Mystery Science Theater 3000 thing. It was great. Josh Yaks. Hey, great to see you, Josh. All righty. Um, looking forward to Botanic, me too. Second build a board game, should. Uh, I don't imagine. I mean, if they seem to have no interest in actually making more video games, so why would they do a board game? Uh, do you still own the house in the UK? Yes, we do. Um, and, uh, you know, it's still Jen's long-term plan to someday 
move back to Surrey and uh, grow old and die in that house, potentially, because we really do like it. And right now, it's um, rented. We were renting it as student housing for a while, but that proved to be very, very difficult. So we found a couple of professionals who do work from home stuff, and they seem to be taking really good care of it. Um, So, yeah. Yes. It's always in the back of Jen's mind. Always. Uh, Oh, hey, have I caught up? Yes! I've done it! Am I planning to play all the way through Frosthaven with Jen? I would love to. I think that might be something that has to wait until I retire. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I got to get Jaws of the Lion done first. I really want to do that too. But I feel like I just need to take a month or two off. So we will see. But yes, caught up, which means we are done, folks. Um, right. Let's hide this chat before you come up with any more questions. Boom, you're too late. You're too slow. Ha ha. Okay, folks. Well, this was the first... Roundup seemed to go pretty well. Um, no horrible snafus. I was really nervous about um, trying to do Shay's pre-canned video live, but that worked out pretty well too. And I think we should be back in uh, four weeks' time on the 1st of July, where I'll talk about all those games I mentioned earlier that are coming soon. Um, oh, oh, uh, more questions are coming in. Okay, Monica, have I started thinking about retirement? Monica, I am always thinking about retirement. I already tried to retire once when I was in my mid-40s and I was just burned out and I couldn't do the video game industry anymore. And Jen said, okay, we'll give it a try. We'll try to live the most frugal lives we can. And then I just fell backwards into this job. So I'm really terrible at retiring. I end up finding another job or making a job for myself. But it's always on my mind. And uh, okay, folks, we're done. I am actually even closing the chat thing so I can't even see it anymore. And uh, I'm just going to say thanks for tuning in, folks. And uh, you know, watch this space. Hopefully, I'll be coming up with some more interesting stuff in the near future to... Um, you know, to give you something and also to elevate voices that I think uh, deserve more time, uh, you know, more eyeballs, because I think they're great. So we'll be coming for that soon. And then finally, in closing, let me one more time say thanks again to Fun Again Games uh, for sponsoring the show. And thanks for watching, everybody. Talk to you later. So long. Uh, bye-bye.